Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the Southwest Climate Podcast. This is Ben McMahon. Don't normally sit here, uh, but uh, Zach Guido is away doing something terribly important, I'm sure. So Mike Crimmins and I are sitting down to do a quick mini podcast about what's been going on for the last month or so, and then maybe point towards some of the uh, warm and dry conditions that are on the very near horizon. So welcome, Mike. Hey, Ben. Thanks for uh, for filling in for Zach here. Yeah, sure. Nice and fun. So yeah. I can't quite replicate some of Zach's humor, but I can... <laughs> Certainly sit here and ask you questions, which is probably the plan for now. So Hey, I think whatever works. We were supposed to get back with everybody by late March because we were in March 1st. And so I guess the April Fool's was that we didn't show up on <laughs> yeah, April, April Fool's. April, April Fool's, Fool's everybody. Was, Zach is traveling and doing important work. <laughs> no, and, that's and true. <laughs> we'll be back and joining us again for the next podcast. But we wanted to get one in between uh, the last one and the next one to make sure we could kind of touch on some of these conditions we've seen. And, and I can't remember when we all, the three of us sat together because... I don't know if everybody knows, but Ben has been at all of these podcasts and has to suffer through editing out all the ums and, and every other little verbal tick that I have. And, and Zach, of course, doesn't have any. So no, it's, no. it's it's easy on that end. I can't even remember what we were thinking might happen in March because we were on March 1st looking forward. I think that my um, pessimism had probably crept in at that point because we had such a great winter and I, I knew it couldn't last. And There was certainly some fear that we might see warm and uh, all dry conditions for most of March and that yeah. pretty much played out. I think so. I, I think I might have been on to something yeah, uh, yeah. at that and I, I think just even looking back I had no idea how warm it was going to get for the remainder of the month because I think it was just a couple days later that we started to reach into the 90s down here in Tucson and much of the Southwest then started to break record after record after record. Now, February was already pretty warm, yeah. but you mentioned in the run-up to this that it was, I think you said March was qualitatively different from February. What did you mean by that? I think that when we look back at the temperature records, the daily temperature traces for the different stations, especially here in Arizona, we were, for most of March, I think almost every day in March, except towards the end of the month, we started to have a couple of storm systems come through. It cooled off. But that early part of February, it was like day after day after day, we were at record near record temps. And so we were already talking about that. It was quite an extraordinary month. Broke at the end of the month with a, a storm system or two, got a little bit more precip in here, cooled off, had some cool nights. And then going into March, it was different in the sense that we weren't kind of bouncing around where it was warm and then kind of cooled off warm. We had that stretch of almost two weeks where it was just day after day after day, we we were breaking the daily record or tying the daily record. And that, that was happening across all of New Mexico at that point. And then Southeast Arizona wasn't really getting the benefit of a couple of um, passing storm systems that went through Northern Arizona, brought some precip, cooled stuff off. We were still kind of under that, the heart of the ridge at that point, and we're suffering with those temps. And so those elevated temperatures, you mentioned statewide, this was not just the low elevation, the Tucson, the Phoenix, this probably had some impact on snowpack across the Southwest as well. I think that we saw the, the kind of the classic March snow eater come in there and we saw snowpacks drop rapidly across Southwest. They actually weren't that great because February ate a lot of the the snow in Arizona. We only saw the very far northern part of the state and far northern parts of New Mexico where it was high enough and still staying below freezing that was safe. But everything that was kind of, we always kind of have marginal snowpack as you get into February and March. February was brutal on it. We didn't get a lot. There was some snow. There was some pretty heavy snow that came in um, the late part of February and early part of March, and then some passing storms, northern Arizona again in late March that brought some snow, but it is, it's been nuked um, pretty readily by these warm temps. Some of the reservoirs have started to tick up perhaps a little bit earlier than we normally expect. Yeah, and, I think you are starting to see that yeah, water make its way yeah. down. And I suppose soil moisture is probably okay, but uh, as the temperatures warm up, we start to see some of that go away. Yeah, I think that we've had, I've had heard reports of all over 
the southwest of sort of this early green up, this early mm-hmm. you know phenological response. You see this in remote sensing. We saw greener than average conditions in February because we had those wet conditions in December, January. The warm up, it starts to push everybody out, all the plants. Vegetation starts to green up. And then at that point, you're starting to utilize soil moisture. So it just, you know, it makes a much longer season to make it to the July rains when you start doing that. So we tend to deplete soil moisture much quicker. And again, that's going to be very location dependent, depending on the vegetation, depending on the depth of the soil. But when you start spring a month or two earlier, it just it just gets really long then, right? Because <laughs> yeah. the monsoon's only going to start in early July. It's not going to. It's not going to subsequently come earlier to backfill that. Yeah, I think anybody who suffers from seasonal allergies oh in the God. Southwest is probably noticing that longer season that we've been experiencing. I yeah, should, I certainly have. And I suppose the flowers and all the the plants across the West have been doing so well. It's made for beautiful pictures across the Southwest. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, for months now. It makes sense now. I have this sort of dull headache all the time. Now. <laughs> uh, I guess temperature-wise, you know, sustained above average. And if we were going to talk about the precipitation of events that characterize March, it's probably a pretty short conversation, I imagine. It's interesting if you look across the state, the northern part of the state, both Arizona and New Mexico, have continued to pick up precip hmm. through March. And they actually had another good run of days in the, the late part of March. And so you now have this gradient from north to south where the um, northern part of the state has suffered some of those warm spells, but then had this really nice run of, I'm looking at Flagstaff data in particular, they picked up another six, seven days of precip sort of intermingled in there. Some of it was actually snow. While we were baking down here, they actually had a storm system that went through and brought a heavy band of snow right through downtown. So the northern part of the state is not (laughs) experiencing the same spring as we are. They're still sort of basking in a really wet winter. What we see this time of year, too, is that the storm track starts to retreat north, has trouble reaching this far down. So we'll end up getting the wind. We get a passing shower as they're getting pummeled with a good six to eight, uh, 12-hour event. Wow. So the southern half of both Arizona and New Mexico, generally speaking, quite a bit less moisture over the last month. But Yeah. Yeah. And now um, you're starting to see the northern parts of uh, the southwest hanging on to average conditions and us falling to below average conditions for March. And there was an interesting statistic on the Tucson National Weather Service uh, webpage when they're talking about March was that it was the record warmest March for Tucson in in the entire period of record down here. But they also noted it was the 13th March in a row with below average precipitation. I don't even know what a wet March is. I, I, I moved here so 16 years ago. So you might have I, seen a wet I March. might have seen a wet March, but I haven't. You didn't I, I don't to, even know what it means. You didn't know to look out for it at the nope, time. I had so, no idea. Yeah. I didn't know I was I was I was missing something. And now um, March is still work. That's kind of the shoulder season, right? We don't necessarily anticipate a lot of moisture in March, but we do expect. I mean, it's. It's notable that it has been below average for, what, 13 years in a row, you said? Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, it's funny, though. If you look at the historical record, it didn't used to be a shoulder season. <laughs> April was the shoulder season. You know, uh, when we, yes. we think about the, the climatology of the Southwest, April was the dry out season. And you look at the record and it would get subsequently drier through April. And then May was, I guarantee, and then June was the hot ramp up into the, the monsoon. But and this has been in several research papers as too, is, is that that's sort of the drying in the Southwest March now becomes a shoulder season when it wasn't mm-hmm. in the past. And so again, lots of variability from year to year, but 13 years in a row, it's starting to look, starting like, a to trend. look like a trend. <laughs> yeah. And it's starting to be, you know, in forecasting, that would be a good persistence forecast. And so that, that could be part of this whole retreating storm track expectation with a, a changing climate. So Okay, so we've got warmer temperatures. We've got, especially in the southern half, we've got relatively dry conditions. You know, looking forward to the next month or so, we've certainly got the hot and dry season on the horizon. 
but we've already begun to see some evidence of potential wildfire. I mean, not evidence of, we've literally seen wildfire. We've literally activity. seen wildfire. I watched a yeah. wildfire from my couch the other day, which I haven't done in a very long time. I've got a nice Safely. view. Safely? Well, I was uh, 15 miles away. Yeah. So, so I, uh, you know, from, we have a really beautiful back window that faces the Catalina Mountains to the north of us, which is the mountain range north here in Tucson. And we were in the backyard. Uh, outside with the kids and look up and there you could see flames on the top of the Catalinas. This is the shovel fire? This is the shovel fire. I haven't seen flames on the Catalinas from the house since the Aspen fire in, in 2002. So it was, it was a bit striking. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we kind of with bated breath watched this thing on uh, Saturday evening. Again, it was red flag warning day. It was the the weather service had issued uh, fire danger warning. So the wind and the relative humidity were, were good for spread of fires mm-hmm. and here one erupts. But the, the thankful thing was, was that it was burning in an area that was wet. It had been, you know, in its high elevation, so it's cool. So it's it's not at this point favorable. The Forest Service threw a bunch of resources on it quickly because it was actually upwind of Summerhaven. And I think it caused some panic in Summerhaven, rightfully so. They got it under control pretty quickly. But this time of year with a little bit of snow still on the ground in places, you know, the little pockets and canyons might even still have some moisture sitting around. So that helped blunt some of the possible, I guess, the risk of that spreading at a widespread scale. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like yeah. like uh, like tearing through tracks of forest in different aspects. This happened to have been south-facing part of the mountain. So it would have dried out and had actually was in an area that already burned um, back in. But, had you know, it's backfilling with shrub and stuff like that. So... But an ignition like that in a month or so with that yeah. kind of winds, that would be causing a lot yeah. more concern. Yeah, I mean, like yeah. if this was a late May, could have been bad. Mm-hmm. Could have been really bad. And yeah. we, as we were talking to, we, there's a fire on lower part of the mountain in the grass area on in Molino Basin that was caused apparently by some recreational target shooting, I think is what's under investigation, and then kind of burned up a hillside and, and a lot of the grass is down there. So... I think that that's the threat going forward and what everybody's sort of looking to. So we'll look to later summer for some of the higher elevation fire risk, but certainly it doesn't mean we're out of the woods in terms of, I guess we are out of the woods literally because we're in the grassland. Well, exactly. That's risk, right. Yes. Yeah. We are literally out of the woods, but not <laughs> probably for a week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Probably by next week, yeah. you'll, you'll start to see that risk spread yeah. uphill. And that's a product of, you mentioned kind of the wet December, January period we had. So what brought us some of the pollen and wildflower beauty also brought us some of that increased fine fuel risk. Yeah. And mm. you know, if you look across the state, We've been building low elevation fine fuels now on these really good monsoon uh, rains for several summers now. Mm-hmm. So and this so, isn't just one year of fine no, fuels. No, it's, it's actually, I think years. you're starting to see, we've been emerging from the longer term drought in many parts of the state because of these sort of subsequent good summer rain and then decent winter rain. And again, I'm not saying that drought is over by any means, but no. you started- They did say it was over in California. They did say, well, it's hard. <laughs> we'll see. It's hard. Well, it is, but it's at the same time, it's hard, it's hard to get your head around drought when you have, you know, the, literally the wettest- period on record and historical record. I mean, it's like, well, how can we do it? Yeah. Drought's hard. Drought's complicated. Depends on who you are, where you are, and what you're worried about. Um, it's, it's very contextual. But like on a vegetation fuels management perspective, the wet conditions in the summer produce those warm season grasses. Mm-hmm. The winter time in the very low desert produce annuals in the sort of cool season stuff. And so we're now sort of filling in the nooks and crannies across the landscape with fine fuels. If they don't break down just sort of through sort of natural processes, pruning and or just getting trampled or getting sort of, you know, just breaking apart just through those no, normal um, processes, then they become continuity and fuel. You can have something sort of tear across a, a low desert area. And we, we've seen these kinds of low elevation fires in the past. We had, I think, one of the largest complex fires in Arizona was north of Phoenix a couple of years ago after a wet winter. Mm. It was just a wall-to-wall carpet of this invasive grass. I think that was the Cave Creek fire. Cave Creek, yeah, that was- you know, we're sitting pretty for that same kind of thing as things continue to 
to dry out and get windy into the spring. We're going to be looking for the threat, the low elevation shifting to the high elevations we get. Every day, the sun gets a little bit higher, the temps go up a little bit more, and just the storm track moves away from the uh, southwest. That does not mean that there can't be uh, some kind of weird errant weather system coming in by the end of this month and even in May. We've seen that in these sort of weird um, El Nino springs of the last couple of years. We have very strange El Nino-ish conditions right now. I don't think that they have enough oomph to force the atmosphere at this point. So that's probably not useful in a predictable way. But so the climatology just says May's dry, right? And so the fuels are there. The risk increases every day as the sun gets higher, we get warmer. The wind will start to pick up. And we've already seen that as the storms, the battle for the subtropical ridge coming from the south and the old storm track from the north starts to come into us. We're just now counting days down to the start of the monsoon. It's less than 90 days now. So if you were a, a betting person would not bet on moisture, uh, anomalous moisture. And even the last few years, we've seen these kind I of know. events. I, yeah, we've even seen, yeah. you've seen, we saw cool, May, like, okay, so I say cool. We had this discussion last year and you pointed out to me, it wasn't cool, it was average. Yeah. So we had, we had an average temperature last May for the, for the month, which felt cool to me because I've only lived here with extraordinarily warm Mays. Mm-hmm. That says something in its own right. Even if we were to pull off an average May, which would feel cool to us now because of the temperature trends, it won't cut much of the risk, I think, at this point. But there's no reason to expect. I mean, there's no reason to expect it. Yeah. No. Yeah. And there's lots of reasons so. to expect warm and dry conditions. Being a good climatologist, I should have known that we've had 13 above average marches. Didn't know that until I read that today. That would have been a good, really good forecast, right? I mean, that's just a really good run. You, you know, you, you play on that that trend as you go forward. So, we have had a couple of bumpy Mays here with some some precip and some cooler, closer to average temperatures. But if you look at the longer term record, no, May has been warmer and drier um, because there's trend there in that that month too. So, I would expect that that would be the case. Okay. Well, I think uh, maybe that's a good place to wrap things up. Yeah. I think we'll leave El Nino for next time around when Zach's back. And it, interesting so. stuff's been going on with it. And, uh, you know, if you give us like another week or two, then maybe some more info will come out on that. We'll be yeah. able to sort through a little bit better. Yeah, better sense of what's going on for the rest. And certainly we'll talk a little bit more about the climate outlooks and uh, the seasonal outlooks for the next for the rest of the summer and yep. uh, perhaps uh, what we might expect from a very tentative El Nino on the horizon. Right. And everybody will want to know how the monsoon is going to turn out. And um, I'll just tell you right now, I don't know. <laughs> It'll rain some. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Mike. <laughs> thanks, Ben. The Southwest Climate Podcast is a production of Clemus, which is part of NOAA's Regional Integrated Science and Assessment Program and is housed at the University of Arizona Institute of the Environment. Mike Crimmins is a principal investigator with Clemus, a professor of soil, water, and environmental science in the College of Agriculture and Life Sciences, and climate extension specialist with the University of Arizona Cooperative Extension. Zach Guido is a research scientist with the Institute of the Environment and UA program manager of the International Research and Applications Program. The podcast is edited and produced by Ben McMahon, research, outreach, and assessment specialist with Clemus.